0: what is up everybody this is Love nutrition podcast i'm your host chris heskett and this is episode 90 we are 10 episodes away from hang number 100 with that being said we finally have another guest back on the show so today's guest is julia Laurent. she is a coach with the list with alex team She's a former professional figure skater who transitioned into the medical field by getting her bachelor's degree in exercise science and psychology in 2012, then continued to get her doctorate in physical therapy in 2015. So she has a really cool story. Obviously, being a professional figure skater early on, uh, had its own ups and downs and challenges, but she developed a passion for health and fitness that is much more relatable and sustainable. She also had the privilege to work with the Royal Caribbean as a performer straight off high school after retiring from being a professional figure skater. And that kind of started her own journey where she spiraled downwards, being like super structured into binge eating, gaining close to 50 pounds in just eight months, and then went through her own transformation journey. Because of Julia's background, obviously the physical therapy is cool, but also her background with psychology. She's an amazing mindset coach and works with clients with her, their mindset to help them reach their goals. Another cool thing was while she was getting her doctorate, she was able to work with NFL combine players and also the USA sailing team. So she has experience with that. Is it relatable to the audience of this podcast? Probably not. It's just something really fucking cool. That she did. It's not very often that I hear someone say, like, I got to work with the USA sailing team. I don't know if that's me. I just find it really cool. So I was like, we are going to talk about that on the podcast. And it's pretty brief. She worked with, you know, helping them out in physical therapy setting, but it's still something I thought was really cool. But with that being said, I'm done talking. Let's get on with this interview with Julia. What's up, Julia?
1: Hey, hey, how's it going?
0: I'm good. how are you doing?
1: It's good. It's sunny, finally. It's been raining in Connecticut, so I am happy with some sunshine,
0: yeah, same here in p a like it was pretty rainy, cloudy, and finally some- we're actually getting up to the eighties today,
1: yeah, so are we. i know i'm gonna I'm gonna try to spend as much time outdoors today, yeah, but we'll see how that happens
0: because <laughs> I, like, uh, I might get I'll get my <laughs> dog out for an afternoon plan. walk. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Great
0: plan in theory. Let's see if it'll actually happen.
1: Yep.
0: All right. So you are a coach on the LWA coaching team. Um, how did you get started with coaching? I know that is a giant rabbit hole, but yeah. <laughs> the quick and dirty version. How did you get started w- with coaching?
1: sure for sure and it is it is a long story but i'll try to keep it as concise as possible um so i was a figure skater growing up um so obviously kind of the pressures of that and the pressures of maintaining a body size um i grew up with that starting from age of four all the way through when i retired at 18. um so body size and composition and food and working out was always ingrained in kind of my like day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to college. Um, So college was a fun time. I regret nothing in college, um, but it was still college, right? So I came out of it and I was like, look, this is not not who I am. This is not what I'm used to. Um, Went through a few years of trying to just figure out things on my own, did random workouts as we all do when we're Mm -hmm. first starting a journey. And and then I hired a coach. And I was like, you know what? Something's got to go like something's got to change. So I hired a coach. Um, and through that journey, I was like, you know what? This is something that, you know, I could do as a physical therapist. I was going through PT school at the time. And I was like, you know what? There's so many people around me that could benefit from what I'm doing right now. And it was just so eye opening to me because it was things that I had never learned, not only from being in PT school and being in this medical environment, um, but even through growing up as an athlete, Um, it was just so different looking at it from an adult perspective. So kind of started my own thing, Um, started Dr. Wine and Wellness, mostly because wine is a non-negotiable in my life. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) that's how that started. Um, nice I, but I was a much better coach than I was business owner um, so pivoted pretty quickly out of owning my own thing joined LWA and super pumped I did um, it's been a great experience a great team to work with so yeah that's that's the quick and dirty it, it can be much longer than that but <laughs> well, <laughs> that's we got we plenty are. of time
0: to talk about the all the details getting there <laughs> um, so what was it like being a figure skater because that's yeah. not something like I don't know in, in my area like you don't hear about that very often.
1: No, for sure, and it's it's a crazy sport. I have to tell you, it is a crazy sport. Um, you train anywhere from six to seven to eight hours a day. Sometimes um, school was kind of an afterthought most days. Um, I did virtual school before virtual school was cool. Oh wow! Um, so all of high school I did online, which is pretty wild. Um my my public school we actually did it through the public school which is like way before like beyond their times if you will. Um I graduated in 08 from high school. So it was like before internet schooling was even really a thing. Yeah. I,
0: um they're I'm like, we class have this of 09 so you were yeah. right before me.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have this cool program. You want to do it cuz clearly you can't come to school and actually participate in real high school. Um so Training was tough. Um, it was, you know, a full-time job commitment as a teenager. So I think it comes with its pluses and minuses, right? Um, figure skating as a whole teaches you so many amazing life skills um, that there's no way I would be where I am today without having that, like, starting point in life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it comes with a lot of challenges. Um, I took my first in class exam in college. That was fun. Um, I didn't know (laughs) what to do because I had never taken a test without having my book in front of me.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: That is wild. Yeah, that was really fun. I was like, wait, like, I don't get my notes. Like, I don't just get to copy things down. (laughs) This is not how this works anymore. Um, So fun experiences there. But, you know, from a figure skating perspective, I made it much further than most people do in their careers in skating so I'm super fortunate in that regard. Um, I got to travel around the world um, see really cool places at an age where that's typically not the case. Um, you know I had I was a uh, pair skater um, so I had an amazing partner growing up and he was four years older than me so we started skating together when I was 11, 11 or 12. Um, and so he was four years older than me, and so I really grew up much faster than most kids do mm-hmm. just because you know, we hung out together, you know eleven and fifteen to twelve and yeah. sixteen for six years um we skated together, you know four, five six seven, eight hours a day uh went on vacation together uh, we're still really good friends, which is which is wonderful um. But it, it it taught me a lot of really great life lessons um, through that experience. Yeah.
0: Not a typical uh, teenage upbringing.
1: No, no, very different. And it's funny because when I first, like, in my early 20s, I was really kind of not necessarily regretful of that upbringing in that childhood. But I was like, man, I really, like, through college, I just, like would hear these stories of high school be like, man, I really missed out on that. Like I didn't have that experience. Like mm-hmm. I just, um, as I've gotten older, I, I very much appreciated it a lot more. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had opportunities to make my mistakes. I made them um, as you know, most kids do. And, but I probably made fewer of them because mm-hmm. I, you know was in a much more structured environment um and I'm probably better for it so it's interesting going through that wave of like regret and missing out and then realizing that I didn't actually miss out on anything <laughs> and just had it differently
0: it's just a different up, um, yes it's like grass yeah. is always greener on the other side when you're in your 20s and then later on you're like you know what I didn't really miss out much it was like stupid shit that I missed out on <laughs> high school drama <laughs> Um, so then you worked, uh, you've worked with sailing athletes as well. I think you said, told me about that. Yeah.
1: So that was, that was a cool, um, kind of transition into the PT world. Um, I worked at a clinic down in Miami. Um, I interned there and then I ultimately worked there as well. Um, it was a fully outpatient sports clinic. Um, super tailored to athletes. I would almost argue like too much tailored to athletes. Um, I am not a large human. Um, I'm only five, four. And so working with these like six, five, seven <laughs> foot tall athletes, um, their legs are really heavy in case you're wondering. Um,
0: I can so imagine.
1: it was quite a physical job. Um, but yeah, so the the clinic that I worked at, the, um, Worked with USA Sailing, so we we had a lot of their athletes come through um, either preseason, postseason. Um, if they got injured at any point in time, my sailing terminology knowledge is not great, so <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna keep it at that preseason, postseason. Um, and then we also worked with NFL athletes. Um, So pre combine, we did work a full, a full combine as well, Um, and just kind of intermittently, mostly kind of pre-season work. Um, and then if they did get drafted, then obviously they left us and went to their respective teams. Um, and then postseason kind of post-hab um, after they got destroyed during their, during the weeks um, <laughs> would try to heal them back up to <laughs> prep them for the next season. Um, so that was pretty cool. Obviously with the NFL, we worked with um, athletes that were like up and coming. Um, okay. So then we would get really excited when they would get drafted um, nice. had some baseball players, same idea, we would work with them, and then they'd get a call and be like, actually, we're out, um, which is kind of cool, like just knowing that, you know, you didn't necessarily participate in any of this, but you helped them in a way that allowed them to, to become better athletes and better people, so that was definitely pretty cool.
0: That's pretty awesome. That's a really cool experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I what? will never do it again, that's the thing, like, it was a cool experience. I am not made for that.
0: Uh, <laughs> like at like six five, like those guys are just walking around at like two fifty plus. So they're, their legs absolutely- are like you said, and then muscle bound. So two fifty, three hundred, easy, and you're there five four. Like. Ugh
1: yeah yeah exactly and they're like it really hurts right here i'm like i can't feel through all of that muscle i don't know what is wrong with you right now <laughs> can i get a normal leg please <laughs> they did not teach this in bt school <laughs> You're like
0: you have to like take a powerlifting just to do your job
1: <laughs> Yeah. You know, oh, I, I would be sore so many days of the week <laughs>
0: Just to be able to feel their hamstrings. I have to bench three fifteen. So
1: exactly, exactly. And I get this giant hammer to like dig in there.
0: <laughs> so what made you pursue PT in college?
1: That is a great question. Um, I still ask that question every single day of my life. Um, no, so I knew I wanted to be in the medical field. Um, I, for better or worse, again, upbringing is a big topic. It's a it's it can be a big rabbit hole. Um, for but for better or worse, I was always raised that you have to go to college, you have to get a degree, um, you have to get a degree in something that you know will make you money. Yeah. Um, and so out of those options, I knew that I could never be a lawyer. That just wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Um, <laughs> that is way too boring for me. Um, and so kind of the medical field really spoke to me in that regard, being an athlete and going through some PT growing up. Um, I think kind of your typical story of getting into PT. Um, But I also knew that I didn't really enjoy school that much. Um, Ironically enough, I'm in an MBA program right now and haven't really stopped going to school, but that's a whole different story. Um, But I like going through the options of what I could do in the medical field Um, I knew I didn't want to go to like full med school because that is just, it's four years plus four years, four years, and it's never ending plus four years. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just didn't appeal to me. Um, I really in undergrad bounced back and forth between PT and psychiatry just because I really found like the mental side of medicine really interesting. And I still do. And I still read a lot about it. Um, And that's where like that contemplation of did I really like go into the right field? Because I feel like I study the mental side much more than I do the physical side now. Um, But the reason that I went into PT was that it was four years of undergrad and then three years of grad and then I was done. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Made that decision about three years into undergrad because I was like, you know what? This is a lot. I just want to go live my life. Um, and <laughs> I was getting an exercise science degree in undergrad. Um, I actually double majored exercise science and psychology because again, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> so keeping my options open, I took way too many classes. Um, that should have been my first indication that I actually didn't hate school as much as I thought I did. And I was actually pretty good at it. Um, that I just did too many classes at once. That's a um, lot of
0: the classes.
1: Yeah, and, and I minored in dance because that seemed like a good idea. I don't know. I got nothing How many ya.
0: credits were you taking a semester?
1: Um. So my biggest semester, I took eight classes. So okay. I guess I think credits were four, so 32 four. credits. Jeez. Yeah.
0: My it, goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's aggressive. I think it also helped that I didn't like my undergrad. So I just was like, I just want to do things that don't involve being involved in my school. Um, So,
0: I mean, that was, I got an exercise science degree and it's like the biggest joke of a degree.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when I was an undergrad, I I very quickly realized, again, I think growing up more mature than most people, um, I very quickly realized that an exercise science degree and a psychology degree gets you jack shit in life. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, "These are fine and dandy, like this is great, but I can't actually do anything with either of these degrees that actually means anything." Um, I could become a personal trainer, great. I could have done that without going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, with the psychology degree, I was like, "You can't even really get a job necessarily that isn't super entry level and going to be making you know twenty thousand dollars a year." Um, might as well go work at Target at that point. So, yep. what was the point? Of it? So I realized that very quickly. So I knew that there was more education that I needed to do past the four years. Um, and so that's where that kind of contemplation went into play of should I go into PT more because uh, that's only three years or should I go into psychiatry? And unfortunately, to get into actual psychiatry and be a psychiatrist, you got to go to med school for four years because that makes perfect sense. Um, so that was that. Uh retrospectively um I have always kind of kicked myself for not looking into becoming a PA a little bit more um
0: uh, okay
1: because PA is only two years post-undergrad and they make like at least double what PTs make mm-hmm. and like it's still so the reason I didn't really want to as well go into like full, full medicine is I'm not big on blood like at all gotcha. um so not not huge on it i know it doesn't bother me but i'm good not seeing it every day
0: um, you'd rather not
1: yeah exactly so with being a pa there's definitely plenty of specialties you can get into that are much more tame and peaceful and kind of on the on the nicer front of medicine so if i was to do it all over again i think i'd become a pa but we're okay we're happy <laughs> we are where nice. we are i have a you know great life can't complain so I think yeah. that was also a longer story than anticipated, but yeah, you know, it's
0: we- totally fine. I <laughs> always said, if I went back, I would, instead of getting my degree in exercise science, I would get in biology. Yeah. I would yeah. go down that route. Um, Cause I was kind of the same. I was like, what do I want to do? I want to go into something that makes me money, but don't want to, g- I didn't want to go into the medical field at all. Cause I didn't want to do that four years four years four years and then it was like exactly. I got my undergrad I'm like I'm so I was just like I'm done with school I'm happy.
1: yeah well I think it helped me so I took um like we can kind of backtrack a little bit as well um I took a year off between high school and college um okay. to work on Royal Caribbean so I worked as a, a skating performer on Royal Caribbean for a contract um, nice. super cool experience, like wouldn't trade it out for the world again, getting to travel, getting to see the world, um, getting to make some of those mistakes, um, that you would typically make in high school and college in a much more um, confined environment, which was very good. Uh, you know, I had my first sip of, you know, true alcohol when I worked on the ship and I didn't have to drive anywhere. So that was great. Yes.
0: Yeah, literally <laughs> so. you're on the ship.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was a really cool experience. I think that, you know, if people have the opportunity to take that year off and do something like that, it it made a world of a difference going into college. Um, just put me in a little bit of better of a headspace where, you know, when there were parties in college, I was like, you know what? I've already done that. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in tonight. And that's maybe where my homebodiness kind of started as well.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, because... I imagine some of those staff parties get a little crazy.
1: They do. Oh, absolutely. They do. I mean, we're all confined to a ship for eight-month contracts, so it's going to get rowdy. Once
0: you get uh, a little bit of freedom, you're taking it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was also my first time ever leaving home. Like, my parents were my skating coaches. I was finally, like, out of the confines of the training world. Um, So, yeah, it was a fun eight-months uh, definitely gained 40 pounds in eight months. Don't recommend, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, good experience. Wouldn't trade over the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that just cause you had like unlimited access to
1: food? Well, yeah. And like getting out of that structured environment growing up, I was like, all right, cool. I got no one telling me what to do. I got no one telling me what, it, what I can and can't have. Um, it's, it would be interesting to like, Reverse and be a fly on the wall during that contract to see like what choices I actually truly made and like how they impacted my you know contract if you will and my later life because um, <laughs> I do believe that everything happens for a reason and that you know those eight months really taught me a lot about myself and uh, where I truly needed to do some inner work <laughs> that you know maybe eating a. Full bag of tostitos and a full container of salsa at midnight in bed. Maybe not the best decision that you could have made, um, but it happened on multiple occasions. (laughs) So it would be fun to go back and like just like witness that that time frame in my life. Not recommended. No.
0: Not recommended.
1: Yeah, but we've all done that. Yeah,
0: we've all done it. Yeah. There's a, what was the, one of the things my wife and I refused to buy. It's like uh, these paleo puff things and they're the cheddar flavor. We just don't buy
1: it. They're um, they're like waffle thingies. They're like, little.
0: no, they're, they're almost like Cheeto shaped.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, hippies.
0: No, it's called paleo puffs. That's what the bag is called. called They are called paleo puffs. And it was like, oh, it's a healthier version. it's like five bucks a bag. We were at a point we were buying two. I was like, why are we spending ten dollars and then we eat three quarters of a bag and then we leave a quarter because we're like, we shouldn't finish that. Like we've already we had eight that. servings. <laughs> we just stopped yes. buying that.
1: That's where that's where you get you. Like, and those things are so damn good. So They're, yeah, no, we we always have hippies in our house. I think same idea. Probably They're like the vegan version of Cheetos. Um and my, my husband's a pilot, so he always has them on his plane. Um, and so he orders them and then ironically enough, they, the expiration date on them is actually pretty quick. Um, I hmm. don't know what ingredients are used in them, but they do expire pretty quickly. And so for his plane, he has to ensure that all of the food on there is obviously within expiration, but they don't eat the food as quickly as it expires. So we'll get all the expired snacks, uh which is a good thing and bad thing like there's nothing wrong with them they're not truly expired i don't know why these dates are on some of these snacks but for better or worse they end up in our house <laughs> and i'll come home with bags of these hippies and they're oh, so so tasty um so
0: you gotta hide it's those. A, a weak
1: point in my life but they're very good
0: <laughs> the that's the those snacks, are just limited in our house. Like, okay, we have like a small box. Like my wife bought the Annie's like chocolate chip cookie bites for my daughter. She's like, really? I bought them for myself. I was like, yes, I know. She got them on Sunday. It is uh, yesterday. We had the last of them. Like it did not last. Like my daughter got a few cookies out of it. But we ate yeah. most of it. <laughs> like we, we can't buy this because we eat it too fast.
1: Yep, yep. That's that's the hard part with Costco as well. If you
0: uh yes. Costco, beaker,
1: Sam's any of the above, when there's like this giant 30 pack of like your favorite snack, you're like, this is probably a bad idea. I'm going to put this in my cart.
0: That was when my wife brought home the Tate's chocolate chip cookies. And I looked at it, I'm like, why mm. did you bring this home? <laughs> like, we managed... Um, cause we'll keep ourselves on track of like who opened the last package <laughs> Love that. little individual sleeves in there. So it's like, once you yeah. pop it open, there's only five cookies. So it's like, she'll have two and they're not that high calorie. If you open up a package and you eat all like split between two people, it's like 200 calories a person. Like that's not yeah. bad for a snack, but it's like, you absolutely wait.
1: do my favorite thing. I always look at a package and I'm like, all right, let me multiply all of the servings and what is the total package going to cost me? Yes. <laughs> because I know that I'm going to have more than the one measly serving that they're saying. So let's do Once, the math on the full thing. <laughs>
0: yes. The full thing. so it's like, but then we'll be like, wait, who cut into the cookies? That's my wife's like, that's cutting into my cookies for coffee in the morning. <laughs> Why are you doing that late at night? Like, Oh crap. So we kind of keep ourselves in check with that. But some of the other things I'm trying to think of something we got at Costco is like, we're never buying that again. That's just we ate it way too fast. But there, there's so many snacks
1: like so many Costco. Snacks. So Many snacks. We're we're honestly really bad with Celsius's and Costco because mm. then they're just in our house, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go grab a Celsius. It'll be great. Whereas if they're not in our house, like we just don't have them available, and I'll go have some water, and it's fine. <laughs> it
0: like gets sweet, tasty, and it gives me energy. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Why am I and shaking? are not even that bad, but
0: no, they're not. <laughs> it's only bad when you're like, wait, how much caffeine did I have today?
1: Right, right. I had two cups of coffee. I had some free workout and I have selfies. It's
0: like ching, cha ching, ching. Huh. I had close to a gram of caffeine.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> I can fall asleep sitting here. So sleep is never an issue for me.
0: <laughs> I'm. Pretty cat like if I have caffeine in the evening, I can usually fall asleep, but it's still one of those things like we know it still affects our sleep quality so oh
1: yeah, oh yeah,
0: I'll get to sleep, but it won't be the best sleep um because I always need like some caffeine in the afternoon. I just have to make sure like oh, it's 4 thirty. I haven't had my caffeine yet, cup of coffee like up, oh, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I spent uh, I spent a month in Europe this summer in Portugal. And it was it was like the most amazing caffeine location. Because Mm. in Europe, in general, it's just it's customary that after a meal, you have espresso. It's just normal, like, they, they don't ask you if you want dessert. They ask you if you'd like some espresso. Um, and so, of course, European espresso is just so tasty and so delicious. Uh, so, yes. I would have an espresso throughout my day. Um, in the morning, I'd have a cappuccino, then I'd have an espresso after lunch, an espresso after dinner, maybe an espresso somewhere sprinkled in there. It just felt so good. And then I came back to the US. So I was like, oh man, where's my espresso? <laughs> Let's
0: get an espresso maker.
1: I know. I told my husband that we have an espresso, but not the same. It's,
0: it's close, but it's not the same. That's what my brother yeah. has. My dad yeah. has um, the Breville espresso maker.
1: That okay. was really. Yeah. We were looking at that one. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and I, I say might, but as soon as we have something on our brains, it will happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, so
0: that'll be my next coffee investment is yeah that because i i well, love then you can make a good espresso whatever you
1: want. yeah and yeah. then if you do want a bigger cup of coffee then you just add in some water and da, you have a bigger cup of coffee
0: <laughs> Well, i'm a i'm a coffee snob not as much as my brother so i have like the all the pour over stuff and all the other that- so i'll do that for a bigger cup of coffee but there's something different about a good espresso
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're a little too lazy for that. We we're very much on the Nespresso train. We have a French press and we have like a cold brew system Mm -hmm. thingy. Um, But I don't remember the last time they were pulled out of the cabinet. So,
0: okay, mine's (laughs) pulled out. So because I don't have an espresso maker, I have the Italian like mocha pot thing. That's my Mm -hmm. espresso every day in the afternoon. My wife hates it because it's a pain in the ass to clean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, I think that's why we don't use the French press.
0: <laughs> so why is this in the sink again? Cause I use it every day. She's like, can you please clean it? I can't right away. Cause it's hot.
1: So it's yeah, like in I the sink when she gets home. Yeah. I think ironically our French press has been used more for filtering corks out of wine than it was, than it's been for actual that's
0: French fair. press. That's fair. That's so fair. If
1: you ever open a bottle of wine and they break the cork and you have to push the cork into the wine, use a French press, pour the wine in, press it out, it gets rid of all the cork. <laughs> Life hack. <laughs>
0: that's that's good, because my dad's a wine collector as well, okay. so we get that every once in a while, where it's like, oh, oh.
1: Yeah, and oh, some of those this- older wines, like those corks are soaked and they will break, and then you're like, this is an expensive bottle of wine that I don't know what to do with now. Um, so yeah, French press works great. Right.
0: we we've used um a coffee filter before Mm -hmm. but the french press would probably be more neutral because i'm sure the coffee filter imparts some sort of flavor
1: to it likely yeah no this didn't like change the flavor at all um you still get like teeny tiny particles that like kind of seep through um but much more you know manageable than a full cork in your in your wine
0: (laughs) way better than full just let it settle because it, pro- it probably needs to breathe anyways if it's like that old so
1: yeah yeah we're not good at that we're, we're really not or like we open a bottle of wine we want it
0: now what uh so my dad it's two bottles of wine get open when that happens it's like this one needs to breathe this one doesn't that's where we're starting
1: <laughs> love that
0: <laughs> so really bad when it's only two people but when it's like a I mean, fam- i mean i mean good slash bad if you're watching your calories it's bad if you're having a fun time on the weekend it's fantastic
1: right exactly
0: so so it's like the uh the one that needs to breathe is like the dinner wine and then it's appetizer wine so you have your aperitif yeah
1: yeah we do that as well this is accurate this is a true statement
0: (laughs) yep that's (laughs) that's how the wine that needs to breathe works
1: (laughs) i love that i love that yeah yep i feel i feel him there
0: yep my wife and I are bad too. Like, if one needs to breathe, like the first glass, you're like, "Eh, screw it, we're just drinking." And then the second glass, you're like, "Now nah, we should wait it because this is definitely we better now."
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but we we're not. So the two bottle thing works way better. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah.
0: While we're on wine, so wine's a non negotiable for you. How do you make? Question I get all the time, and I talk to clients about all the time is, including alcohol in their diet. How do you go about keeping alcohol in while staying, quote unquote, healthy or losing weight?
1: Absolutely. So if I'm in a fat loss phase, um, I have a very golden rule of two by two. So I can have two drinks two times a week. Um, that keeps me under control where I know that I can still enjoy a glass of wine. And when there's a glass of wine, I know that there's going to be two. Um, so <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> like. Same. If we're opening a bottle of wine, there are four glasses in a bottle, we're going to finish it. Um, so trying to argue with myself, no, you can have one glass, you can't have the second glass. Um, I know for me personally, it's just not gonna work. We're gonna finish the bottle. I need to make sure that I allow myself that um, that kind of luxury, I suppose. So two by two is what is my rule. Um, Two drinks, two times a week. Um, and the way that I track them is I'll typically track them as carbs because uh, my fitness pal is, is terrible at accounting for calories of alcohol and accounting for alcohol in general. Um, if you type in red wine, white wine, whatever, seltzer, beer, um, it doesn't do a very good job of actually accounting for the calories in the beverage. Um, I've had many times when folks will enter in you know, a seltzer and it'll say a hundred calories and then it'll actually say zero grams of carbs and like zero fat, zero protein, obviously. And I'm like, well, where did those calories come from? Um, so I, my tracking is, is interesting. And I learned this from my first coach is I track it as a carb. Um, each glass of wine I consider as 150 calories. I just use that as an average. And I'm honest with myself that a glass of wine is truly a glass of wine, not, you know, three glasses of wine, because that's what fits in my glass. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I am kind of honest with myself in that regard. And then I take that 150, I divide it by either four or nine, depending on if I'm using it as a carb or as a fat. And then I enter that number into my fitness pal as a sugar, if I'm counting it as a carb or as olive oil or butter if I'm counting it as a fat. Mm, Um, Okay. So that way I'm just using kind of the pure carb or fat number. Um, The calories are added in, the grams are added in there from a balance standpoint. Um, And I found that to be the most successful because then I, if I'm a little bit lower on a fat day, I can count it as a fat. If I'm a little lower on a carb day, I can count it as a carb Um, and then it balances out to that seven grams of per alcohol. So,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, chronometer does a better job. So when you <laughs> plug in wine or beer, it pops up with the carbs, but it also pops up with alcohol. So on that day, it shows you how many grams of alcohol are, are okay. there. Um, Yeah, I use nice. that one,
1: so. Yeah.
0: It's definitely harder to get started with. You yeah, need yeah. more tech savvy for Chronometer. I love it because I like nerding out on all the info, but at the same time, I'm like, it can be a real pain in the butt because sometimes you'll adjust the calories, but it doesn't adjust the macros to the got it. Like, yeah. The macros don't line up. So you have to like adjust two things. Mm. Mm, yeah. Don't love that.
1: Yeah. And it would be nice to like actually be able to see like alcohol calories. Um, because <clears throat> it can be really eye-opening. Um like when I'm not in a fat loss phase, I pay a little bit less attention to that rule. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Can't talk this morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My kind of regular maintenance phase rule is that during the week, I don't drink. Um, I think that's a decent rule. Um, A couple non-negotiables within that. uh, I am on a wonderful, nerdy bowling league on Monday nights. Um, And during bowling league, uh, it is customary to drink during bowling league. Um, some weeks I don't just because I don't want to, that is a personal choice. You grab a water, you're totally fine. No one will shame you. Um, but you know, having a beer, having a drink during bowling, that's just kind of our jam. We do it every Monday. Um, so that's a Monday thing, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for sure. Those are non alcohol days. Um, my husband knows that (laughs) he's very well aware of my kind of my guidelines, my, you know, Set points there um and then on the weekends because I don't have this like strict alcohol is bad alcohol is going to make me fat like I can't have it because of that mindset and because I don't necessarily restrict myself on the weekends it also then becomes a null and void point because some Fridays I don't want to drink like there's mm-hmm. no like, I just don't want to so I don't um same thing on the weekends like Saturday Sunday if I'm just home and cleaning what am I going to do like I'm not going to drink it's not like I'm waiting for the weekend to drink because I'm like finally allowing myself to do it um so I think that mindset is a little bit different even maybe that I had you know five six years ago where I was like I'm really trying to watch my calories and like can't have alcohol and then on this weekend like you look forward to it. You're like, three weeks from now, I can drink. And then that day comes and you have 16 drinks because mm-hmm. you were Just waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. So I think having that like little mindset shift of it's okay. like It's allowed. It's part of my life. I enjoy it. Um, am I going to have a Bud Light? No. Um, if I'm going to have a beer, I'm going to have a beer that I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to have a cocktail, I'm going to have a cocktail that I truly enjoy and savor it and, you know, have a good time with it, you know, spend time with friends and family. Um, and it's not anything like wild and crazy because it's not restricted in my life at all.
0: That's why I always recommend to clients is you can like drink the, what you're about like, but like, like you can drink the, like the lower calorie things but do you actually enjoy that or are you just drinking because yeah. it's low calorie, like the seltzers, light beer, stuff like that. If you like that, great. I don't.
1: Yeah. I
0: absolutely do not. If I'm <laughs> I'm going to go all in on not a skinny cocktail, I'm going to go all in on a good cocktail or I'm yeah. going to have a nice craft beer and I'm going to drink like- one, two, maybe three versus like six. Seltzers.
1: Right. Exactly. And at the end of the day, like, if that's your jam and that's what you want, fantastic. Another example is, you know, we used to live in Florida and we would have beach days. Many people have beach oh, days, yes. they can be days, they can be, you know, uh, holidays, they can be whatever kind of full day events you can think of. Um, for those times, I, and to this day, have a great rule of one alcoholic beverage to one water. Yes. So every time I have a drink, like whatever that drink may be, whatever I enjoy, and most of the time in those scenarios, it is more of that like lower calorie, lower you know alcohol volume. Um, just because I know I'm going to be drinking all day, so I'm not going to have you know a 12% beer. I'm likely going to have that. Seltzer. You're not going
0: to drink like 12% stouts all day long on the beach.
1: No. <laughs> um, ironically, I have done that before. It didn't end well. i gonna um, say that way. <laughs> That was a long time ago and I don't remember it. So we're just going to leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was a stout. I think it was an IPA. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it. it was a great day never to be done again. Um, but with that experience, um, <laughs> I do one alcoholic drink and then a full glass of water. And by a full glass of water, I truly mean a full glass of water. Um, it can be you know, a polar seltzer. It can be a spindrift. It can be you know, just water. It can be water with crystal light. Use your imagination. Um, but some sort of water, and it has to be at least twelve ounces um, that becomes harder throughout the day, right? So twelve ounces all of a sudden looks like four ounces. but we the twelve ounces has to stick stick to the plan. Um, and I've, I think that's a great strategy, especially when you're hanging out with friends. You have that kind of party environment, um, whether it's truly a party or not, doesn't really matter. Just an environment where alcohol is flowing um, to have that breakdown of one drink, one water, one drink, one water. And at the end of the day, you'll find that when you used to have six, seven, eight drinks during the day, because that's very easy to do, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you've narrowed that down to three or four because you've balanced it out with water. Um, and in those scenarios, water does go down slower, (laughs) so it it takes you longer time to get through the water, which is a good thing,
0: (laughs) especially if you do the seltzer water. Yeah. If you do that, it does definitely takes you because you can't chug that. It's not like, okay, I'm going to crush this to get to my next drink, which is something I've done. I'm like, okay, I want another beer. Now i follow the same rules. (laughs) So I'm going to crush this bottle of water and then go into the next one. Then I'm running to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it was a <laughs> all
0: right, maybe dump it like 36 ounces into my system all at once. Not a good idea.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, and I've gotten really good. Um, as I've gotten older, as I mentioned, I'm a big homebody. Um, we do now game nights with friends, um, where it's a little more classy and adult like. Um, and so we drink classy cocktails with game night. Um, and so same rules apply in those situations where I'll have one drink and then i've gotten really good at creating mocktails so mm. i squeeze my own juices and i make myself a little mocktail um because again i have set my own boundaries and i know like what my desires and goals and you know limits are um and so i create little mocktails for myself they look just like the drinks that i just had nobody has to know if they don't want to. And most of my friends know they're, they always laugh because they're like, I literally can't tell if you're drinking or not. Um, like, good. That's the point. <laughs> um, that's so that's awesome. been a great strategy as well.
0: <laughs> There's a place, because um, I really like craft cocktails. There's a place in Portland, Maine called Venice Fizz House, but they mm-hmm. started as a non-alcoholic bar. Nice. They have all these recipes, since you like mocktails, mock all these recipes yes. on their website for mocktails but we went because we go up to maine almost once a year so we went there to get a drink and i was like i the the guys are the absolute nerd when it comes to cocktails and stuff so i went i'm like i'm gonna get a negroni because that's my favorite drink but i'm gonna get the mocktail negroni taste almost exactly the same i'm like how did you do this he's like mixing all these it's not truly non-alcohol because he's using bitters which have a little bit of alcohol in it
1: Right. but it's i do use bitters for my mocktails
0: i mean at most what probably two percent alcohol i
1: don't even think they're that much i think they're like half a percent
0: some of them are like 50 percent alcohol but you're using like a drop
1: Uh, yeah so it's like once
0: it's diluted down because he like mixed it into water and stuff so i'm like this is really, really good. I don't know how he, he doesn't have that recipe online because there is a lot of ingredients. Used, <laughs> like, this is amazing. How does this not not have any alcohol in it? Yeah. So if you like mocktails, that's definitely like a place to check out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. They have a awesome online shop. My wife gets me stuff from there usually on Christmas. Nice. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll
1: definitely have to check that out. Yeah. It's. It's. I just find it to be a good strategy. Like, I also alcohol is fun and like. I think you and I both agree here that we drink alcohol because it tastes good to mm-hmm. us um, and we enjoy the experience of it. But I am way past the age where I find it enjoyable to just get hammered and, you know, wake up in the morning with a slamming headache. Um, I have things to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to enjoy my beverage, go to bed and wake up refreshed. Um, so it. Having the flexibility and the knowledge of of mocktails is is really helpful there.
0: Definitely, I'm past that because I have kids, and it is miserable.
1: True. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, six no thirty, seven here. o'clock
0: comes real quick, and you're like, oh my god. Meanwhile, they're like, wake up. <laughs> okay. They're
1: like, can I just give you some bourbon and you go back to sleep, kid? <laughs> no,
0: no, no. They probably just work uh, in the opposite way. Anyways, they probably just get <laughs> ramped up.
1: Probably turn
0: into a college kid sooner. <laughs> like, oh, no. Um, so we got a little bit of time left. Um, what yeah. I want to talk about is how, because you have that background in psychology, and I know how you coach with LWA, um, some of the mindset stuff. So you mentioned it, a little bit about yeah. mindset around alcohol, um, but right. what's some mindset things you need to overcome with a lot of the clients coming into LWA coaching um, that you do in like, Say the first like 90 days?
1: Yeah, I think the hardest mindset is overcoming in the first like two to three to four weeks. So you hire a coach, super excited. You're like, yeah, I got this. Here we go. Model body incoming. Yes. And then two weeks later, you realize that that's going to take much longer than you anticipated. That might not be a realistic goal we may have already shifted into a whole different sphere of what coaching really means for you in those first few weeks. And so working through some of that like initial excitement, harnessing it, and then moving it into a direction that's actually realistic for each client, I think is really interesting because we all, I say all, a lot of people go into coaching to lose weight, to feel better about themselves, to gain strength, um, to, you know, those muscles in the mirror i I do that because i like i really like looking at back muscles myself (laughs) i have that muscle there um so a lot of people go into coaching they're like all right i got a coach it's gonna happen now forgetting sometimes that a coach is great we provide the accountability the knowledge the information the setup the starting point but Number one, you still have to do the work, so that isn't a given. Um, if you don't start putting together routines and habits, and and that piece of it, it's still not going to happen. No matter how much I tell you what to do, mm-hmm. um, I can't force a muscle onto you. Um, <laughs> unfortunately,
0: unfortunately, it'd be awesome if we could.
1: I know yeah, that would be really cool. Um, but kind of working through that transition of. Excitement into true work and true changes, um, I think, is really the hardest part from from a mindset perspective. Um, Human nature will tell you that that initial excitement is great, but it's also terrible (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you're like, this is magic. I'm going to do this. And then a week later, you're like, wait, (laughs) that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And so how do you use that difficulty and that fact that you started working out for the first time, so now you can't sit on the toilet and you can't walk up the stairs because I made you do some squats. And how do you harness that into a routine, into a habit, into something that becomes second nature to you, something that becomes just part of your life? And that's kind of the back end of the mindset piece where it's so, so cool to see clients get to that point where they don't even have to think about going to the gym. It's just part of their day. Mm -hmm. They don't have to think about how much protein they have on their plate because they've tracked enough and they can look at a plate and be like, yeah, this is, you know, give or take 500 calories, about 30 grams of protein. Great. Cool. Good meal. Um, getting people from that initial excitement to that sustainable set point is just so cool to see. And so much of it is on the psychological front. Um, so helping people through those challenges as they hit them is just, it's so neat.
0: Where are some of the common challenges people have along that journey? Cause I agree. Once, once you can get a client to that stage, it is so easy for their life to get yeah. all their health and fitness goals, but getting there is yeah. the hardest part. So sure. what are some of the challenges and how do you overcome them?
1: For sure. Um, one of the most common challenges is plateauing. Um, when people hit a plateau, they're like, we we saw this progress, everything was great. And now we'll just call it a plateau on a scale because that's the easiest one to use as an example. Um, you know, we had this nice little downward trend and then we kind of flatline. Um, and so overcoming that from a mental perspective is tough because we always want to see progress and we always want to see that improvement. And what I always work through with clients is, can that downward trend continue infinitely? No, right? So that downward trend has to stop somewhere. We cannot go down to zero. Um, That is just not a thing. Um, We are still humans. We need pounds on us (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be human and so looking at it from that perspective and seeing where you started where you are now if we haven't reached our goal that's fine but maybe that's your body telling us hey we need a little breather let's kind of hang out here let's let's see how things go let's adjust maybe a little bit of movement see how your nutrition is feeling? Do we need to bump you up a little bit to give your body a little bit of that break to then continue down our journey? Um, and so working through that can be challenging um, because again, human nature will tell us, well, we've made success doing what we just did. We're just gonna keep doing that. Um, when in reality, that's not, not usually how it works. Um, I think out of all of my clients, I've maybe had two that have started at the top, worked their way down to their goal, and then they were happy with that. There's always that up and down, up and down, a little plateau, maybe a little up, maybe a little down. Um, And so from a a mental mindset perspective, it's really interesting reminding folks where they started, how that journey has looked, where they maybe need to hang out for a little bit to then put together a game plan moving forward. and that can be tough for
0: sure i always say it looks kind of like a stock chart going down oh, yeah. through your weight it's you can draw a trend line once we get data but in the meantime the week to week if you're not looking at the long term you're like i'm up i'm down i'm up i'm down i'm the same what the hell's going on
1: yeah and and on the scale uh, topic of scale um scale weight There are just so many factors that people forget to consider. Just a few. Um, Yeah, (laughs) with the scale, right? Um, And this is obviously no news to you. You've seen it. We've all seen it from a coaching perspective. But reminding folks that, hey, maybe you just moved. Maybe you just changed jobs. Maybe you broke up with your boyfriend. Maybe you have a new boyfriend. Maybe you just got married, went on a honeymoon, went on vacation, you know, all of these kind of life events. Um, those are all going to affect our nervous system and our stress response and the internal inflammation that our body kind of excels. And that is all weight. <laughs> it's not fat, but it's weight. Yes. And so the scale does not differentiate between did you have a muffin yesterday or did you not sleep well yesterday? Um, and so Having that scale is just one data point. I also find super important to remind folks, hey, let's look at your pictures. You see this, this, this difference between the two days? Like, isn't that pretty cool? Um, even if the scale is telling us a totally different different story. Um, if we're doing measurements, like, hey, let's measure your waist again compared to, you know, three months ago. Hey, yeah. isn't that pretty cool? Um, so with that plateau, also reminding folks that it's just a data point Um, the fun one that people always forget is weather so if it's raining outside you're going to be heavier Um, mostly because of atmospheric pressure
0: (laughs) interesting how what's like the percentage of weight increase I did I actually it's very
1: little yeah it's very little it's like 0.1 0.2 percent
0: but but if you combine that with a bunch of other things
1: yeah exactly like and the weather one is, it's a funny one. It, it doesn't make much of a difference on a scale, but I use it as an example of things you are that are completely out of your control, but you're still looking at that number. And some people can be super critical about that number because they're like, oh no, I gained half a pound since yesterday. I'm like, but did you? Um, let's, let's look at the factors that cause
0: that. Well, I'm totally turning that into Instagram reel.
1: Yeah, do it. I
0: didn't don't know, know that. I'm like, I'm totally gonna look that up, and that's yeah. a new Instagram reel.
1: Absolutely, and it's just like when Grandma says my hip hurts because it's raining. That's a real thing.
0: That's a real that thing. All of that
1: atmospheric pressure it causes pressure on the joints, and that same that same pressure will cause just a very slight little little bump up.
0: Everybody knows about the joints. I, it makes sense about the weight. That just makes yeah. sense now. I'm like, yeah, Very little,
1: but yeah. <laughs>
0: like my left knee with its injury, every time it's like really oh, crappy yeah. weather, there it is. Like, oh, hello.
1: Yeah. I know. The older I get, my left hip is like, hello. It's gonna rain. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, that's... I can see it's raining. You don't need to tell me.
0: My injuries: left knee, right hip. Ah, uh, yeah, right, right, hip. likes to get a lot of sciatica. Thanks, yeah. lifting. And then left knee is. <laughs> From
1: Improper deadlifting,
0: improper deadlifting, eagle <laughs> deadlifting, and then left knee's muay Thai injury.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Yeah, little uh, meniscus tear in there.
1: Lovely. Mm, and yeah. I'm I'm sure you have done nothing about it.
0: Uh yeah. As a coach, um, <laughs> actually, no, I did get it looked at. <laughs> I have a PT friend. <laughs> I did get it looked at, and they're like, "You don't need surgery." I'm like, "Cool, I'm good then." And then I did, like, my own rehab, which was not yeah. the smartest thing, but.
1: Yeah, as a PT, I'm very much the same way. Like, I'll get injured, and then I'll just be like, it's fine. I'm fine. It's no big you're deal. Yeah. You are
0: a client, like, stubs their toe. You're like, go get a look at it. We're not actually like yeah. that, but.
1: Yeah. Yes. yes. I'm the worst, I'm the worst patient.
0: Hey, it's, my wife's a nurse, and you know who are terrible people about getting, like, blood work done? Nurses. <laughs> Nurses. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So unfortunately, I would love to dive more into mindset, but I actually have a call coming up right now with my coach. So I have to jump off. So we'll have to do a part two. Terrible, part two. Um, Where can people
1: find you? Absolutely. So Instagram is my best form of uh, communication. I'm still on Facebook. I'm still old like that. But I'm much more on Instagram. So Dr. Julia LaRonde on Instagram. Um, I believe my profile is public. I don't know. I haven't looked at that in a while. But either way, you can message me.
0: (laughs) Perfect. So Instagram, go give Julia a follow. And then obviously you can find her with LWE Coaching, which those links will be down in the show notes.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Chris.
0: Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into to today's episode. As always, make sure to go down to the show notes and give Julia a follow. Also, while you're at it, make sure to give the show a rating, leave a review. If This helps the show get out to more people. It helps with the old algorithm and promoting. So if it, there's lots of reviews, five-star reviews, or just people listening, then the show gets pushed out more and it's easier for more people to find. So, If you enjoy the show, I would appreciate it. Just take 10 seconds, give a five-star rating or four-star or three-star. That also helps me like, okay, I need to dial things in and get better. And then if you write a review, if that's a possibility, I don't know if it's available on all the podcast platforms, but some of them you can leave a review. I do read those on a weekly basis when they're left. So that is also always appreciated. Please do that as that is a, huge help and it's one thing like when i'm looking for new podcasts i do read those so it helps the podcast get out there thanks guys again go give julia a follow